Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Today, I have the privilege of having Frederick Sandval here with me today. He's a dealmaker, an investor, an entrepreneur. Frederick, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Omar. I really look forward to sharing ideas with yourself and the world. Brilliant. So I want to take you back to an undisclosed number of years ago. There was a deal you were working on that you were working on. You were coaching somebody on how to close that deal. It was worth a billion dollars. Yes. Tell us how you got that client and then how you coached them through that process. Absolutely. So number one, uh, I love selling and uh, I'm not ashamed to call myself a salesman, even if it's not my job title anymore. And uh, the reason and how I got this stint in the first place was uh, because of relationships which is uh, the, the the goldness and the glue in any kind of transaction in sales so i had already an existing relationship with this uh, very large it company and uh, on the back of that i thought okay now i'd like to sell something completely different to them so moving from like the personal development space into how can i be one of their top people in terms of training them on a global scales on sales and sales leadership uh, and it was just finding out the key stakeholders, engaging with them and using very much referral and internal connections to open up new doors. So let's pause yeah. right there for a moment, for because uh, what you said sounds fine, <laughs> but the actual doing of it is where the magic is because True. it's the implementation. True. So walk me through some of those connections you got to the right yeah. people. Great. How did you coach people to introduce you to the right person? Walk me through that. Perfect. So number one, you probably have got someone in the company where you would like to get your foot through the door uh, and they could be your internal champion who will basically help you to find out who should you talk to, maybe even in which order, maybe even uh, find out how to set up a meeting. Uh, and basically you need to coach them how to help you. Uh, so Frederick, man, yeah, you know, I like you, but uh, that's the guy. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to like risk my career by introducing you. So did you get some of those where you had to like make them feel comfortable and then move them forward? Because not everyone is uh, comfortable doing that introduction because their boss sometimes is intimidating to them. Yes, yes. You're, you're so so right there. So I, I split this into like multiple levels. So in, in the field where you and me have been operating like very much like the how to train the human capital, uh, the, all the, the talent. So there often the HR department can be uh, a foundation to get through the door. So it was very much an HR person that helped me to figure out who in the sales department and sales top management the right person? get on board. Exactly. Um, I've heard this before. So of HR departments, when you're actually doing work within companies and you say, who's the HR department? They say, they're the people that say no. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Yeah. No, you can't do this. Uh, no inappropriate touching. So anyway, HR is brilliant. Getting HR yeah. to do the introduction to sales. Where in the sales department did they introduce you? 
Uh, in, in, in this case, I was very much going towards HR and then like, how can I escalate this to very high up in HR as soon as possible? So therefore I can get into the top, like almost like board okay. level, board level uh, HR to sales and marketing. And that's very much what I did, but on the uh, EMEA level. So that's like a European and a Middle East uh, area. So very high level in this organization, which is in its own right, a multi-billion industry. So you sh- I should not have got the access and I should not have got the access as easy as I got it. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you dare to ask, you might get a yes. Yeah, you'll always not get a no if you don't ask, uh, which I guess is most people cling on to. It's like <laughs> the thought of it. It's like, I'm not sure what happens. You're in Switzerland right now? Uh, S- Sweden. Sweden. You're in Sweden right now. And that's pretty open in COVID right now, right? Yeah, it's quite open. And then the numbers uh, are like the US amongst the top 20 in, in the world, mainly because people from Sweden travel a lot. So in, in Sweden right now, they probably don't have any egos over there. But in the US and other places, you know, I'm the senior VP of Grand Salesness, and I know everything. Sometimes there's like a pushback on, you know, what can Frederick what can you possibly yeah, exactly. help me with on this deal? You know, I've been making deals all my life, son. Come on. So how did you cross that bridge? Building trust, basically. So I was allowed to engage uh, and develop a very senior top-level training program. Uh, and from there, proving my right uh, and, and proving my value. From there, uh, over a couple of years on the very high level, then I got to coach nice. the, the, the most senior uh, strategic deal team in the world that they had. Brilliant. So just like everything, uh, I'm not sure it happens in Europe, but in the US, we have overnight sensations in the music business. Yeah. But when you talk about <laughs> we were doing dive bars for 10 years. Yeah. And then we got our overnight success. So yes. you put in the work, two years of building trust yeah. and getting a reputation till you got to the goal you were seeking. Yeah. And so- how did that coaching go? How did you coach them on making this billion-dollar deal is what we're talking about? Uh, ultimately, same thing there. Like They ask the same questions as you asked me, Lee. like how can we get to the key stakeholders in this company so therefore we can get the buy-in? So people do deals on different levels, but ultimately we need to have multiple touch points. Uh, so in, in a company, we might have like the, the user, we've got the decision maker, we've got the financial decision maker, we might have a, even like a procurement team. So it means we need to have, we need to have a finger in many pots. Uh, and often it helps if you've got like a team on your side as well. So with this huge deal, we had like a shadow organization where we were matching people on multiple levels across the organization to get buy-in and to position this company ahead of the likes uh, and including IBM in this case as one of the main competitors for this business. So getting nice. So you're getting all the stakeholders kind of all lined up. Yeah. So I guess it's a lot like a uh, light from a flashlight. It's useful, but if you get them all kind of in alignment, it's called a laser, in which case you get to do amazing things. Yes, exactly. Yes. The, the, fo- the focus beam can really help a lot. Uh, and in, in this case, these kind of size of deals also doesn't happen overnight. So often it's like months, if not years, to close a deal of this kind. And it's so also the case also this time. But it means that many thousands of people will be involved in the delivering the solution for many, many years. So that's why how the, the ticket price could be such high because it's many years, many thousands of people uh, and for a complete solution in this case. So during this journey, were there any times where it was like, 
oh shit, the deal's dead. Were there any of those yes. things? Yes. So, so if you think about it, uh, in, in the best of worlds, you will always have like your own private plane so you can fly this best team all over the world. And, and that was actually what happened. So the actual cost of sales was incredibly high considering that number two, number three, and any sales get nothing. So it would potentially be a massive sunk cost worth many, many millions of, of uh, dollars lost if this would not have been won. Uh, and, and that was the case, of course, with the competition in this particular case. Interesting. So how do you keep the team uh, focused on the prize? When things are going sideways and there's challenges, your job must have been to basically, uh, everyone calm down. It's okay. The prize is always like the key thing in any salesperson's mind. But actually, the prize was not the ultimate reason why they the organization won the ticket. Uh, and the reason for that is it was the relationships and the solution that was a great fit to the organization. So therefore, the prize was not the ultimate decision making factor. I wasn't talking about, sorry, it's a, it's an accent thing. I wasn't talking about the price. I was talking about the prize. Oh, like okay. Focus the, on the, the end price, result. The price. The price. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you get them to focus on the end results and not to focus on, oh, this deal's collapsing? How did you keep the right mindset for the team? The, the good thing, the, the team was so strong and so experienced, so I did not need to, to help them on that. They were very much self-managing that. Uh, nice. and so they, they have been repeated winning deals uh, many times over, even before I was engaged with them. So my, my key contribution was really trying to help to find the right people to get in touch with. And, and therefore, like, how can you almost like, create the accident of bumping into this person and, and uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a creative way, building relationships that you can later, uh, yeah, for the, right, for the right word, might be leverage that in due time. Of course, everything is talking about uh, legal things, but we're talking about creating accidental happenings, uh, which are very much uh, planned. Uh, and my background working with intelligence service uh, might have helped them a little, little bit. Brilliant. So that brings <laughs> up a really good... So you worked for an intelligence service. Uh, prior, prior to this, yes. So this is the question I was thinking about before you said that. So I'm going to screw up the dates here and I'm going to screw up the countries, but here goes. That's okay. So there was a very famous battle where there was a massive siege. So you've got the invading army surrounding this castle and it's a year-long siege. And so the people in the castle are running out of food. They've got very little left. They've got one cow left to yeah. feed thousands of people. And rather than consume it, they catapult it over the walls of the castle to at their enemy. And the enemy goes, holy crap, they got so much food. They're catapulting cows over. And they basically gave up and they left. Whether it's a true story or not, it's an instructive story. And the story it's basically is this. There's a black box, which is your customer. And they sometimes poke their head out and give us things. So you've got this team trying to divine what the other people are thinking. Yeah. So how do you interpret signs? And tell me about some of the signs that they gave you that you went, oh, this is a signal they want to do this. So can you think of one of those signs yeah. that you interpreted correctly? Yeah, I, I like to use same same story of the same company, but a different deal. Uh, and there, uh, talk about like the secret signs where the company bought ad space pretty much just opposite of 
of the office of the potential customer. So that means that they could not leave their office without seeing their brand name sub- subconscious like every single day. Billboard? Uh, yeah, Billboard, for example, in this specific case. Uh, guerrilla marketing to, to get exposure of, of the subconscious mind. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's almost like uh, psychological warfare, but uh, without the war, uh, but working yeah. very much with the mind. So one of the themes that uh, I've noticed in our conversation today has been about relationship. True. Like building that relationship is so critical. And I think one of the areas that companies fail and people fail is like, hey, Frederick, how are you? Oh, London. I used to live in London. And we chat about London. We build this rapport and then we go on to business. But relationships aren't like that. It's like, how do you maintain that relationship? Especially when the deal progresses and you get to these places where they could go with another competitor. It's that relationship that keeps everything connected. So here's the question for you. I can say all the right things to you for my benefit and you will pick that up. It's like, he's just being polite. He doesn't give a shit about me. And they can also sense when I'm connecting with you in a way, it's like, wow, Umar's a really nice guy. So talk to me how you coach your clients to build relationships and maintain relationships with the best of intent. So with the best of intent is really about uh, honesty in the end of the day. And uh, almost like, yes, you can find out things about the other parties. Therefore, you do have mutual touch points. Uh, You can almost like, profile them in advance you know how can i communicate with them in a better way so therefore they will understand me even better uh, those are like part of your like preparation in negotiation or even to a first meeting or second meeting so that's like it's not about how you want to be but how not talk about you becoming a chameleon but almost like you need to be able to adjust in, in a way so that they find you more comfortable to be around Compassion. Like if you connect with people, one of the, I always look at extreme relationships to understand a particular subject. And a good example of that would be the communication relationship between the victim and the torturer. Okay. So we train our therapists when you are the victim, when this person is doing inhumane things to you, you have to find the humanity within them. That's the only way to survive. All right. And when we train our torturers, it's like, you cannot see the humanity in the person you're torturing. They have to be a number or a thing because if you see the humanity and both people are trying to do that dance and then bringing it back to real life is if I am honest with you about my vulnerabilities and in business, we're trained that don't show weakness. Yeah, But yeah. I think there's a power in when you reveal this is the reality in our side of things that oftentimes can actually be the thing that creates bonding and yes. creates the thoughts on that. I like, I like what you're saying there. And, uh, and the reason why it really makes sense is the humility and the, the strength to show weakness mm-hmm. is, is, is fantastic in terms of building a bond and a bridge. Uh, and people can really relate to you if you dare to do that. Because otherwise, you will have this very thick armor of invincibility, which is not very attractive. It's just like when I was in Special Forces, I spoke about this on another poem called Recently. And uh, on one side, you need to have a mindset that makes you feel very superior to dare to do the crazy things you have to do. On the other side, you need to have the humility not to show those sides to other people in that way. So... You need to be modest enough not to show how how 
how and what you know and think about yourself possibly. So you need to, I mean, to blow your own trumpet is, is never the right thing to do. It's better that other people tell yeah, that, you are, that, that you're a good guy and you're trustworthy. Brilliant. So here is my question. Frederick, oftentimes people have a death grip. Notice me holding this pen. Yep. You, even though you were in special forces, you're not freaking getting it. <laughs> we're going to fight for it, roll around. So people get, they hold on to their reality like a death grip. But yep. when we're in negotiations, what we need to do is not get them to let go of the pen, but to loosen the grip to allow for the possibility of change. So tell me about maybe a particular time you were in a negotiation where somebody was holding on with the death grip on their reality and how you got them to loosen up. What technique did you use to get them to see the possibility of change? Uh, It's uh, the power of questions, really. And the power of questions is super key. And it's the bond that we spoke about. It's the right questions and the listening. That is how we create relationships better than anywhere else. So what, what might that look like? Uh, it is, how can I unlock your grip with your pen? Uh, and it might be, uh, Umar, what, why, why are you cramping on, on the pen? Let's play with me here. So why, why, why the firm grip on the pen? Any particular reason? You need to understand that this is a very important issue for us, and we're not going to bend on it because this is what our company is built on. So if that's what your company is built on and, and to get the solution and the next change actually we'll speak about here together, uh, if I at least can borrow the cap of the pen, would that make a difference to you? You can still hold the power of the whole pen without the cap. Is that doable? I'm going to pause right there for a second. And what you talked about <laughs> earlier, very much relationships. Yeah. And if you built that relationship up and you asked that, I'm absolutely going to say no. And if you didn't build the relationship and build that trust, yep. then I'm going to say no freaking way. So answering your question, yeah, Frederick, you can have the cap. And that start, that's loosening up the whole thing. So a brilliant, brilliant thing. And I think people lose sight of how important questions are. So Frederick, you mentioned you have uh, some children. Yes, I do. I've got two sons. Youngest son, uh, his name is? Youngest is Shawnee, and then the other one is Ivan. Shawnee. Uh, do you remember Sh- the first Sh- time? Sh- Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Do you remember the first time you held Charlie in your arms? Yeah, I do. Remember what that felt like? Yeah, he was very light. <laughs> yes, I do. I coloration in your face change. Yeah. Before you laughed, you were smiling. Questions have the power to change brain chemistry. That is totally brilliant, Frederick. Thank you so much for being on the program today. It was a brilliant, brilliant conversation. And uh, we didn't get to the real subject we wanted to talk about, but I think (laughs) having the right mindset was a great conversation to have. Thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 